0: i see that in women as well like that little bit of fear but also that fire in their belly like when i see a woman deadlift 100 kilos that had never even thought that that was possible it changes them it does something to them and then all of a sudden they start questioning well what else can i do in my life they start questioning their relationships and their careers and their boundaries and their values and everything
1: else welcome to the self-love podcast the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I have the beautiful Chloe Kingsford. She is the co-owner of a strength-based facility located on the beautiful Sunshine Coast. And it's where she is a strength coach and nutrition and lifestyle coach She's also the author of a book called Living Awake, which we do talk a lot about today in this beautiful interview. And it's all about empowering women with the tools to become more self-aware so that they can make informed choices about their health, their well-being, their future, their health, and also all relating it back to the planet. I guess above all, our gorgeous Chloe is a wife and mum of two. After finishing her undergraduate in psychology and master's in public health, She went on a mission to strengthen the connection between mental health and physical health. She has built gyms from the ground up. She's impacted thousands of lives by inspiring, educating, and empowering those, especially mums and dads, to live a healthy, strong, and full life. She's particularly passionate about facilitating women to find their true courageous selves by breaking down the barriers they face with nutrition. She's journeyed alongside women who have had physical transformations, but has witnessed the struggles all women face around comparison, judgment, emotional blocks, limiting beliefs, disconnection, overwhelm, and a complete lack of confidence, not to mention the overwhelm associated with nutrition and the flow on effect this has in our lives. She's passionate now about living low chemical, low waste life, which she infuses into all of her teachings. I know you are going to absolutely love this week's podcast. She is definitely a woman on a mission, but if nothing else, she will inspire you to truly live into the title of her book, and that is Living Awake. I look forward to hearing your comments and feedback on my Kim Morrison 28 Instagram page, Kim Morrison Training Facebook page, or you can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Really loving your feedback. Your five-star rating is making such an impact. And if you know anyone who could do with listening to a dose of the art of self-love, then please, by all means, keep loving and sharing. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful week. Take care. Be kind. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I'm excited and very delighted to bring to you the beautiful Chloe Kingsford. Welcome to the show, gorgeous girl. Thank you for having me. You know, I was really excited. You reached out last year sometime about an incredible book that you've written. And whilst we'll get to that, just before we start talking about the incredible words that you've written and the reason why you've made that book, I'd love for the listener to understand a little bit about your background, who you are, where you're from, where you are right now, and how you came to writing a book.
0: All right, where do I begin? So let's rewind back um, after school, I guess. I went to university and I studied psychology and master's in public health because I was very, very interested in how people, yeah, the, the emotional and mental side of things, I guess, very, very intrigued by that. Um and then it's funny because I wanted to be a personal trainer before I went to university and my parents were like no 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 you got to go to uni do do that um but after I graduated uh, university I studied to be a personal trainer and fast forward 10 years I'm here um but I've always been um interested after gaining that psychological education the connection between the mind and the body so it it I kind of have infused that in um the gyms that I've owned um when I came out of uni I, um, was a social worker for a little bit, but then I was really pulled to that personal training thing. We moved to Musselbrook, which is a tiny country town. And I started, um, in a anytime fitness gym. And then after my three month probation, they're like, okay, you have to pay rent now. And I only had like two clients and I'm like, well, I can't afford rent. Um, so I, started training people in my single car garage and you couldn't even press a barbell overhead. Like there was no space. So people were doing workouts on my, um, on my driveway. And I outgrew that. So we bought a house with a, um, I think it was a triple car garage and, uh, re registered ourselves as CrossFit Musclebrook. So I started doing group classes cause I didn't have the capacity to do one on ones anymore. And then we moved into a warehouse and, uh, we'd done that for three years. Um, and then we, always Reese's parents, my husband's parents live up here and uh, we always holiday up here. And I was like, why don't we just, you know, move? And so we, we sold CrossFit Musclebrook and we established Strength City. So me and my husband both work at Strength City, um, as head coaches. And we've been doing that for just over seven years now. So. And tell us where that is. That is in Sidal Street, Little Mountain. So, um, it's kind of like a a gym street like a like a car yard type street but for gyms like there's like seven gyms in that street
1: <laughs> but where um you, don't you just love the fact that your passion originally when you were young was health wellness fitness and doing pt how do you think that the degree has impacted your ability to understand that connection between mind and body
0: um i think because i've i've been there and i've done it and i've you know, keep educating myself on it. Like I understand what people are going through. Like I put myself, you know, in the hurt locker, pain cave, whatever you want to call it, every day when I'm at the gym. So I know how to push myself and that helps me push other people and I know what they're going through um, working with women with nutrition and, and, body image issues. Like I've, I've been there, done that as well. I put myself on shake diets because I hated the way I looked and I know what it feels like to be really hungry and really upset with myself. Um, and I've seen countless women do the same sort of thing. So, you know, reflecting on my past, um, and where it's gotten me today and also working with a lot of women um, in particular, I guess has shaped the way that, yeah, I I teach and, and do things these days
1: talk to you a little bit about this with body image and women and gyms. Most people um, that I've come across, you know, they're afraid of going to a gym. They don't like the look of it, the thought of it, the fact that there could be sweat and smell. And um, most of us feel a little bit awkward and uncomfortable walking into a gym for the first time. How do you help people overcome that little fear? And also what is the most frightening thing about walking into a gym for the first time?
0: I think, um, from the people that I've talked to and I guess, you know, fellow strength city members is that initial, um, like, what is it? Like, in, yeah, being intimidated, I guess. Um, fear of judgment is a big one as well. Fear of accountability is big. Like if you know, you sign up, shit's about to get real, <laughs> you know, like you're now held accountable and you know, things are going to change and that can be scary for some people change. Um, What we do at Strength City, we've recently actually changed. We went from, you know, a big group training facility to now a semi-private strength-based facility. So we're actually breaking down the stereotypes and the barriers towards strength training because I feel that a lot of women are intimidated specifically by strength training, but we know how beneficial it is to our bodies. So, you know, we're training like 13-year-old swimmers to 60-year-old retirees to postpartum mums and we're all showing them, how to lift weights in a safe environment. Um, You know, there's no mirrors and grunting and groaning and selfies and all that sort of stuff. Like it's a really cool community that we've built to support that inclusiveness, I guess.
1: I think one of the most beautiful things, I I love gyms. I love going and training at a gym. But my biggest thing was I love personal training. I love being trained by somebody. Yeah, I can go in and do a program. I can go in and I can work out, but there is something about that accountability. How does that differentiate when someone has a personal trainer, as far as results are concerned, as opposed to just going in, getting a program and trying to get the work done?
0: Yeah. It's just another level. Like what, what we did do compared to what we do now is, um, it, it just doesn't compare basically like you're given an individual program and you've got a coach. So what we do is we have times that people go to for coached hours is what we call them. And, um, that could be, you know, two-on-one or like five-on-one. And it's where you're getting that intimate time with your coach who will help you with your program, any technique issues, um, suggestions with weights because sometimes people just don't know what weights to pick up and they think they're doing, you know, like, you know, 100%, but really if you've got a coach there, you're not doing 100%. Like, you know, I keep giving women higher and higher higher weights and they, they do it and then they surprise themselves. And I think just having that cheerleader in your corner, especially, yeah, in a one-on-one, like semi-private and one-on-ones are just the, um, I guess the, we feel the best way to train really the best to get the best results.
1: I couldn't agree more, and that's what I love. But one of the things you mentioned CrossFit at the very beginning, mm-hmm. there is a real mindset now around. You know, I'd call the I've heard the the term a DMO. We can be a display model only, where we look good but we don't function well. Uh-huh. So there's a lot of DMOs out there where they look hot, or they look sexy, they look great, but get them to lift <laughs> some crates or sure. mow the lawns. It's like, yeah, no. Yeah. So how have you felt from a functional point? Of you like functional movement, lifting weights, using barbells and different kettlebells, all these different things. Are you of that mindset that functional movement is more important than being a DMO?
0: Hundred percent. Like um, we we came up to the Sunshine Coast with a different mindset for Strength City. We'd come from a CrossFit gym where we saw people struggling to do high rep Olympic lifts, to do gymnastics movements and just things that just aren't fantastic for someone who just wants to lose weight, get fit, get strong, those sorts of things. The, the chasing of, um, people's scores and times on a a whiteboard can be very daunting and intimidating for people as well. So we definitely got rid of that when we moved up here, because I think that's a very ego driven way to, to work out. Um, and speaking from experience myself having had two children recovering postpartum doing strength training having looking at surgery in 2020 because of my back and then coming back into a strength training a uh, strength training program like i can't speak highly enough of how important it is to have a program that's specific to you that you're consistent with that have you have a coach that looks over you um while you're doing that program you're not left up to your own devices um Yeah, so. I forget what the question was, but hopefully I answered it. <laughs>
1: yeah. with well, just that understanding about the functional movement, like that you don't just do a weight to get a big bicep. You increase our muscle mass and our strength and our capability so that we can do more in life. Yeah. And I think that's where so many people get it um, maybe a bit wrong about a gym that there's certain things you have to do in order to have a big muscle. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious too around this whole thing around um, body, beautiful body image, um, trying to be the fittest and best that we can be. There are so many people that take selfies and do things at the gym like you just mentioned. And yeah, that can be intimidating. But I do think there's an accountability with a PT or a coach around knowing that this time you've lifted 20 kilos, we're now at 25. And just knowing that you are succeeding and getting stronger. Because my thing to to you, Chloe, as a PT, and I do call my PT and my daughter, a witch, but it it never gets easy. I would say it's never like I go to the gym and go, oh, that was a real simple, easy workout. But what they remind me time and time again is that each time you're up-leveling, each time you're getting stronger, the consistency, the continuation, the, the absolute commitment that you give to yourself is having a stronger, fitter, leaner, more toned body. What would you say then is more important continuity and if so how many times a week should we be doing some sort of strength training or is it more about longevity or is it a combination of the two?
0: I think it's a, a combination of the two I guess like you want consistency in your program at least three to four times a week that's the large majority of the programs that we have at the gym um, and obviously it comes down to priorities of how you know how high you stack your, your health and fitness but a lot of people can get to the gym three, three or four times a week and if you're doing that consistently building the foundations of strength and also incorporating, you know, all the other lifestyle things that goes with that, that healthy lifestyle, like getting your steps up, getting quality sleep, reducing your stress, all those sorts of things, doing them consistently, consistently, consistent, yeah, <laughs> consistently is going to help with longevity. You know, you're going to see out that program. Whereas if you, you know, dabble in group training where you're just part of the herd, if you are um, walking around 24 seven gym with a program that really isn't specific to you, don't really know what you're doing. Um, you're basically just fluffing around. Like if you want results and you want to build a body like you were talking about before that functions well, that is going to see you through time, that's going to help you lift your children, run around with them and not be gassed, um, then it's about consistently showing up for yourself. And like you were saying before, that does something mentally. Like it's never easy. Like sometimes I – I get myself worked up because of the sessions I'm about to do, because I've got to the point where I'm lifting really heavy weights and it scares the shit out of me sometimes, <laughs> but it's it's good because I see that in women as well, like that little bit of fear, but also that fire in their belly. Like when I see a woman deadlift a hundred kilos, that had never even thought that that was possible. It changes them. It does something to them. And then all of a sudden they start questioning, well, what else can I do in my life? They start questioning their relationships and their careers and their boundaries and their values and everything else. Like I've, I've, I love coaching nutrition and seeing people develop in that area. But when someone proves to themselves or shows themselves that they can do something, oh, it's just, I get goosebumps. It's so powerful. It just changes everything.
1: <laughs> One of the things that I found working in gyms in my youth was people would roll up all inspired, maybe New Year's, um, they'd pay the deposits or the the thing to sign up to the gym and didn't really realize that six, eight weeks in, it actually meant they did have to consistently show up. They did have to. You couldn't just buy the bicep. You couldn't buy the glutes. You couldn't buy the, the hammies and the definition of the calves. How have you helped people stay accountable and stay in the work and are there some people who join that really the gym is just not them?
0: Yeah, I mean, we are specific in what we do, but we've always had really high retention. We've got members um, that are with us now that were that were with us when we first started seven years ago. And that says something about our community and the way that we do things. And I think that it's One, investing in your community, being a part of it. The fact that Reese and I are um, owners and head coaches. We're there every day. People see us. People see us in the Hurt Locker. Um, So we're not just, you know, um, all talk. We're actually doing the work. Um, So really investing in the community, Um, like caring about people, you know, like we know all of our members by their name. We know their children. We know where they work. We know what they do. Like we actually care about that. Um, And... Effort is a big one as well. I've just lost a whole train of thought. What were you?
1: <laughs> no, you're good. Like, it's amazing. I love the fact that you guys are there. But I'm um, talking about that retention, you know, yeah, like effort. how do people stay there? Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> F- effort, obviously, as well. Like if, when you show people, again, what they're they're capable of achieving, Um, and they bring that effort to the gym. And like I said, they see that from us as well. Um, then that's when they start to see results. Like people don't come to strength city to fluff around. They're there to do hard work. And when you've got a well-written program with coaches that, um, constantly up-level themselves and educate themselves, um, then yeah, you, you can't lose, I guess. And that's, I guess, what keeps people hooked that, that specific program that's designed for them for their goals um showing up where a coach is completely invested in in them and what they're doing at the time um building that community like we have a a basketball hoop at the gym we go there like today i was literally typing on the computer in the office waiting for the nine o'clock um session to start and i hear acdc get cranked up and i heard someone with the basketball bouncing it around and then i went out and shot hoops with people before the class started like you know, they're my homies. <laughs> it's
1: I awesome. Love it. I love it. Um, what What is the ideal? Um, you say three or four times a week, but what is the ideal? Um, I don't know. Are people better in the mornings? Are you finding commitment is better when it's first thing in the morning as opposed to evenings? Is it depending on the individual? What, what's worked? Individual.
0: Best- what okay. I've seen, you do you. If you try and be a morning person, that's only going to last so long if you're not a m- morning person. I couldn't think of anything worse than training after 4pm. <laughs> like I just, I could not do it. Um, so I always say to people, and people ask me, like, when should I come? And I just say whenever it suits. Whenever you can um, prioritize that in your in your diary. If it looks like a morning one day and a night one day, because that's what you can do, um, and you're happy to do both, then then do that. Um, because again, longevity, sustainability. We want that person to continue to show up. But if they've place that expectation on themselves that they have to be there at 5am because morning training is better than afternoon training, then they're not going to see it through. It's going to be put in a too hard basket. And then that's going to feed into feelings of failure. And, uh, and there's another thing that I didn't do right. You know, so if from the get go, you just honor what you can do without trying to conform to, you know, whoever's expectations, I think that'll work out a lot better.
1: I love that. And I yeah. think that, that can apply in all areas of our life. Honor what you can do. Yeah. I found that since my children have left home, I haven't minded the odd afternoon yeah. workout, which is bizarre because I was never that person that would go. Because to me, the morning is, is the one time of the day I can claim for myself yeah. that I'd get up before everyone else. Um, I'd go to the gym. I'd come back and then whatever happened for the rest of the day. But if I saved a workout for the end of the day, oh, you could almost guarantee everyone else needed me before me. So I don't know whether it's because now I have older children, I I don't mind the afternoon. Or sometimes I'll do the gym in the morning and do an afternoon beach walk or something like that where it just keeps me out and about. I I think what you guys, you've obviously touched on a number of things here that are really important around gym workouts. I know the gym's not for everybody, but why I wanted to interview you too was to make people that, have been sitting on the fence or maybe aren't so sure about joining a gym, what would you say to that person who is, they kind of think they'd like to, but they don't really know, how do you find the right gym and how do you find people like you two that have that real passion for their community?
0: Unfortunately, it it just takes time, I think. Like sometimes you might have to gym hop before you find a place that resonates. And it was funny, I was having a conversation with a member who is now eight weeks on, Um, at strength city. And she said she was offered four weeks free at like, you probably know where I'm talking about, but like a something like a $13,000 new facility. And she just said, I just didn't want to be there. She said, they didn't really care about me. Like, yeah, it was flash. Um, see strength City's in a warehouse like it's a little bit grunge, but we don't care. Um, and she said, like, I came here, I had never heard of strength city. I walked in, we had a chat and she said, you sounded cool. The place looks good. And she was good to go. So I guess it just, it can take a bit of trial and error. Um, but you just have to start. Like if, if you're on the fence, like I believe you've only got this one life and it is way too short to be unhappy with yourself, puffed, tired, whatever symptoms you could be experiencing. It's just too short for, for that nonsense. And you just need to be able to, um, say yes to yourself and just start trying places, I guess, just start. And then you'll kind of find what works for you. You might be drawn to a particular style of training and, um, yeah, go from there, I guess.
1: I think that's really important. But the idea of gym hopping, they're very hard gyms these days. They sign you in. It's harder to leave than it is to stay. And yeah. I heard one gym in particular, their motto is let sleeping uh, let sleeping giants sleep or something or like other, let, let them sleep. So if people haven't gone and activated their membership or they haven't been in for a while, you don't get in touch with them because then they just want to cancel it rather yeah. let their subscription keep going. I That think is that, terrible. Yeah, I found that. That's that's
0: not authentic at all. Why would you want to be a part of that?
1: (laughs) I don't know, know, but I was really challenging that. So I think what you're saying, though, is really important. Find a community or a gym. Have the courage to walk in the door, I'd say, and speak to people. Most people that are on the front of a gym are usually friendly. They're usually really open. They want to hear your goals and dreams. But I think within the first minute, you kind of know if you're in the right place.
0: And as well, if they're trying to keep you there like that, um, like, for example, with us, if people want to cancel, we, we, we just cancel them there's no you know we used to have a four-week cancellation policy years and years ago but the end at the end of the day we don't want to keep someone at the gym if they don't want to be there because community is important to us and if someone's there and they're moping about or they're just or not there at all you know like there's no point in holding them there just for the sake of a couple more payments like it doesn't make sense to us to to do that like it is it feels more authentic and um i don't know it just feels good that if someone doesn't want to be there that's that's okay and you just let them go (laughs) You know, it might not be a good business move with finances or whatever the other gyms want to kind of look at it, but yeah, that's how I see it anyway. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I think you're onto a winner there. Let's <laughs> let's move forward. You've had two children. Talk to us about how you kept fit during your pregnancies and deliveries, and then talk to me a little bit about how you've adapted your lives. You say both of you are at the gym, mm-hmm. um, husband and you. How have you worked that in with your two beautiful children?
0: Okay, so. Um, Yeah. Not much changed when I fell pregnant with both. Um, I just continued doing what I was doing. And then when I got further along, I would just modify movements to suit. So, um, you know, I would listen to my body. I would respect that back in the day. Um, old Chloe would have just, you know, kind of pushed through and, and yeah, whatever. But if I was tired, I didn't work out that day. I'd go for a walk instead or, Um, if I wasn't feeling squats that day, because my hips weren't feeling that great, I'd do something else. I would give myself that flexibility and honor what I was feeling in my body. Um, but I basically trained right up until, um, I gave birth to both of them. So afterwards it was about, um, a lot of nutrition as well, but with, with movement, just getting out and about like the sea, the ocean is my therapy. So getting to the beach as much as possible, there's extra resistance in the sand as opposed to a normal Uh, walk. Um, it's very hilly where I am. So Moffat Hill. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, around that six week postpartum period, I would get myself back into the gym and make sure that, you know, um, I was thinking about pelvic floor, activating my core, um, and just starting really, really light with the weights. Like, um, it can be hard with ego sometimes when you're used to lifting a certain amount and then you feel like you're good to go. It's easy to want to jump straight into it. So just kind of reminding myself that, you know, I have, you know, time to get back to where I was or, or whatnot. So easing yourself into weights and just monitoring how you, how you recover and you perform. Yeah.
1: Love it. Living awake, your baby, your third baby. Yes. Talk to (laughs) us about how and why you wanted to write this book. Give us the whole story (laughs) and background of it, and then explain to us what this beautiful book is all about.
0: Yeah. So basically Oh, there's so many different things that I could say led me to um, write this book. I have yeah, been in the health and fitness industry for nearly a decade now and I would sit down with women um, and talk about their goals and all I would hear was words like fat, disgusting, horrible, hate and these words would just fly out of their mouths mouth. like it was just um, n- not an issue. <laughs> um, and Back in the day, I used to say the same things about myself but when I hear these words now... I don't know. They started to pierce me. And I was like, why are women still talking about themselves like this? And um, I mean, this book covers a lot of different aspects and and body image comparison, not enoughness is, is only one sort of um, aspect, but it was also getting my hands on a bottle of essential oils and questioning as a consumer, what is actually going in the products that I inhale and put on my skin. And it was educating myself on nutrition and um, getting into the nitty gritty of how actual food is produced and what's in it. And it was investing time in myself and, um, and journaling and learning how to meditate and just really putting my own oxygen mask on first. And when I started to delve into all these different aspects of wellness, I guess, um, I started to see that a lot of women kind of struggle with those aspects as well. So I thought, why not, um, put it in a book and, you know, show these women what I've gone through. So a lot of, a lot in the book is, I talk about my personal experience to make it relatable Um, and I put um, so after every chapter there's basically reflective questions so it's not just a book that you read um, that actually have to go through and like answer a heap of questions after each chapter so um, yeah and I also delve into like uh, the war on plastic and meat consumption and um, all those sorts of things as well.
1: Yeah. I love it. It's a very big, it's, it's a consciousness. It's an awareness. Talk to us through the four steps then and why you thought all the four parts of this book and why each one of them is so important and relevant.
0: Yeah. So I basically, um, like you said, building that consciousness. So it all really begins by, um, becoming awake, I guess. And that is starting to question things, start to, um, be curious about, why we do the things that we do. Why, um, why do I feel like this? Why do I, um, behave like this? Um, what is in the products that I'm using? It's just starting to, to question and the awaken section I've kind of broken down into, um, the power of reflecting. So I do a lot of this in my nutrition work. So I get people to, to fill out how their day went, like what was their water consumption and their stress levels and their steps and their movement. Like I think building, uh asking ourselves reflective questions can really build our self-awareness um so the first sort of um stage is about that it's about unpacking our beliefs and changing our physiological state which can help our mental state um, so questioning you know why do we think that we're fat why do we think that we're ugly where does this come from um, and then start to question well, well what, what does that mean now why have i bought that from childhood and i'm still carrying that around with me Um, and that's another thing that I go through exposing how to expose and question those beliefs that have been holding us back. And I talk about releasing the pressure valve. So, um, expectations, the expectations that we have on ourselves, that we have on other people, the expectations that society has on us as well, because a lot of people get stuck in that first and second where expectations do I have on myself and have on others, but they don't question, okay, society is telling me that I need to be quiet and pleasing and attractive and all this sort of stuff. Well, why? (laughs) You know, so expanding that expectation bubble out a bit further and continuing to question. And I talk about the, the truth about authenticity. And we've touched on that numerous times in even this conversation and self-acceptance and body image issues and comparisonitis. I know that's a big one. Everyone's living off the highlight reels of Instagram these days. And, um, I literally just done a post with a heap of filters on my face with my lips bigger. And and then I just done a photo of me at the end. And I'm just like reality check because it can be so easy to go. Oh, I need lashes. I need a tan. I need this. I need that. But when does the buck stop? Because all these external things aren't doing the inner work that needs to be done, I guess. And, um, so yeah, I wrap up that stage with, um, I talk about how to love yourself and basically surrendering to the process as well. I think as women, we feel like we, you know, we need to be in control of everything. We need to have it all sorted out. We need to have this grandmaster plan of how it all works. Um, so I kind of break it down and, and, uh, question the, yeah, the, um, aspect of surrendering. Um, so yeah, that's basically awake. And then once we are awake, we can begin to expand, our, our worldview and what our, our world looks like. So, I address the seven life areas. Um, so, we go into a lot more detail than just the seven, I guess, areas, uh, just the areas that um, people would normally set goals, like just wellbeing um, and like like career and things like that. I go through um, love and money and um, general wellbeing, inspiration, and I talk about how to design your life. So, being in the driver's seat of your life. I talk about how to set goals and intentions, asking for and receiving help. I found this was a big one with women um, because I know that I've struggled with that, especially postpartum, thinking that, you know, I could do it all myself. I have to have it all, you know, put together. So I think um, giving women the tools to be able to um, ask for and accept help, I think is really important uh, in the expand stage, I also talk about um, personal development. So I talk about, you know, reading and podcasts and just um, continuing to educate yourself. Um, Uncovering your unique abilities as well is a really cool uh, activity that I have in the book. Um, Clear communication and setting boundaries is a big one as well. So I talk about, you know, working with my husband and how it's really important to, um, you know, not just assume that they know what we're thinking um, is a big one. And, uh, the last thing that I kind of touch on in expand is, um, having, uh, the fact that flexible routine is freedom. So, um, I really believe that we are creatures of habit and if we have a routine that we can kind of follow that ticks all the boxes every day, but be flexible about it, then you can really fall in love with your life basically. Um, then we move on to the nourish. So I think when we have developed that self-awareness, we start to expand, um, you know, our goals and intentions and set boundaries, then we can really begin to nourish ourselves. And so I talk about nutrition as a form of self-care and how to really start with nutrition. Cause a lot of people don't know where to start with the amount of information that we have out there. I talk about movement as a non-negotiable, um, and the importance of, of strength training and moving your body on a daily basis. Um, I talk about essential oils and give recipes, um, of things you can easily incorporate into your household. I talk about, uh, journaling and vision boards as well as yoga. So I've got, I think 10 yin yoga poses in the book as well with photos. So that's something that you can easily do at the end of the day or before the sunrises. Um, I talk about the importance of sleep because as mums, um, this can be very neglected. And then lastly, I touched on something, um, that is very intriguing to me. So it's the lunar and menstrual cycles because I feel a lot of women are ashamed about their period. Um, and it's not, it's a bit of a a taboo topic. So I kind of break down the menstrual cycle into seasons, which is, um, I guess easier to comprehend. Um, so once we start to come from a place where we, we feel more nourished, um, then we can start to make an impact. So this is, this is probably my favorite part of the book. Um, so impact is basically moving from the internal work that you've done and expand that out into the, the wide world. I talk about how to simplify your life because, you know, someone asked you how you go and you go, oh, busy. And it's like, good, you know, wearing that as a badge of honor. So I talk about how to simplify your life. Um, I talk about ditching the chemicals. So we, we go through the different products and how we can um, simplify those as well and make them more natural. I address food wastage as the biggest, um, you know, um, yeah, a really big impact uh, the world is having right now and half the world is starving. So yeah, trying to wrap my head around that, um, meat consumption as well from a nutritional perspective, I used to be vegetarian for five years. Um, so that's an interesting topic that I talk about there. Um, what is actually in our food? So I break down, um, you know, what's in like a, a Cadbury's chocolate bar and it's just insane. Um, consumerism is a big one like that, um, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses kind of thing and and living a life without plastic. And then I map out the hopeful path forward. So that's how I kind of wrap up the Living Awake journey.
1: Wow, (laughs) it's amazing. Talk to me a little bit about the hopeful path forward because for many of us, all the topics you just said, are topics many of us are aware of or we've heard of or we've listened to or many people may be even well educated in each of those areas but the hopeful path for particularly given the last couple of years where the world has felt anything but hopeful in many aspects and many people have had to change their course or change jobs or change their beliefs or look at what's really important to them what do you believe is the hopeful path forward?
0: I believe that if we continue doing what lights us up, like one of the the quotes that I just absolutely adore is um, as you let your own light shine, you indirectly give others permission to do the same. So if we continue to wake up every day and say yes to ourselves, say yes to the things that nourish us, that light us up, that make us smile, that make us so grateful to be alive, then other people will see that too. And they're like, I want what she's got. (laughs) Um, So I think Yeah, just shining our light and giving others permission to do the same. And that there, I believe, will have a ripple effect.
1: I agree with you wholeheartedly. And when life's great, I can see the potential and the ease and the grace in which I can do that with a mindfulness and a consciousness that that's part of my responsibility of being happy. If, in fact, I dare say that anyone that is in a good space in their life, that is their responsibility to do that for others. But what about if I'm going through a really tough time? What if I have lost my job because of this at the the end of the last two years? What if my marriage has broken down? What if my kids have left home? What if I've lost money because I haven't been able to earn? How do I get up and be grateful to be alive and say yes to myself when I feel anything but that?
0: Yeah, and that's a very hard headspace to be in. And I have um, not had my share of um, tragedies. Um, I've, you know, led a very... um, Yeah, whatever you call it life. Like I haven't had catastrophic things happen to me, but you know, the things that I have been through, um, you know, we had to close down with COVID. Um, the gym was closed for, for three months. So not only did I lose my identity as lifting in the gym, but our income, um, you know, my pop passed away last year, these things happen. And I think it still comes back down to saying yes to yourself, like wake up and be, just ask yourself that. What can I do today that will just make me feel a little bit better? Even if it's going for a walk or doing something that brings you some sort of joy, like even if you're in that headspace, like when I know it doesn't compare to those things, but when I was sick with COVID, um, the other week, like I just felt terrible. Like everything hurt. I was like, I even woke up and Reese is like, how are you feeling? And I just cried. I was so, so unwell, I just cried, but I still managed to pour myself a bath with essential oils. I got myself a novel and I read a little bit. Um, and that night I journaled like it wasn't heaps, but what I did do make, made me feel so much better about myself. Um, and that's some of the things that I guess the micro habits that are now non-negotiables for me that are ingrained in me, that even when I do feel terrible and something happens in my life I come back to those things and it's like they give me comfort um and yeah I don't know if I'm making any sense but yeah I I find those little things and I just try to infuse them um because I know that they they fill me up a little bit and they make me feel a little bit better being around family um and friends is a big one as well so. I
1: think you bring up a really good point though maybe when life is great and, you know, you're not so challenged and you're not so exhausted is the time that we really do need to build the resilience, the muscle, the create the repertoire of tools, the self-care rituals, the, the things that do light us up so that when we do fall, and we will, mm-hmm. and when we do get knocked, and we will, and when we do fall into a heat, and we will, we have this reservoir of things to call on. And I think what you're saying then, right, even from the beginning, consistency, persistency, continuously showing up that i I don't i don't know about you but it doesn't matter what our life story doesn't matter how big how small how tragic how blessed we've been the key thing for anyone that's inspirational and the key thing for any of us to keep um, i guess even alive is to keep moving forward to keep up that sense of hope from your perspective then now as a mum also having been sick with COVID and also <laughs> having to pivot because of the business and, and what's all happened over the last two years, how have you given them hope and how have you been still a beacon of light? Because it's the children that I kind of think, they're, they're picking up on our, our stresses, our worries, our fears. Yet They're just kids who want yeah. to live a life of freedom and, and happiness. How have you managed to, to work your way through that?
0: Um, I think, oh, oh there's, I, there's so many, different. I, I think just su- like support being, being there for them, not sugarcoating anything either. Like if I'm not scared to front, cry in front of my kids and, you know, talk to them about why mummy's upset, we have a few different books that talk about emotions. We have essential oils, like, um, koa has got this, um, like happy dance essential oil that he, that we put all over him. And we talk about how his heart feels. Um, and try and shift his mood. And so having clear communication as well, and I've developed that with my husband, like telling him when I don't feel okay. Um, so I think communication, um, being open about your emotions, not sugarcoating or hiding anything, um, going to the beach, (laughs) take the kids to the beach and it fixes everything, doesn't it? Um, you know, like just, yeah, I guess my kids are young, so you you can't have a a proper conversation, you know, they're two and five. Um, but I can, you know, talk to my five-year-old and say, you know, mummy's unhappy because of, or, you know, mummy's this because of, and, and, um, make him know that it's okay to experience a wide variety of emotions and not everything always goes your way, you know? Um,
1: yeah, I guess. Communication. I yeah. I think so. So then now talk to me then about from a relationship point of view, how the heck do you have a successful <laughs> marriage and work together and raise kids together and come through this big pandemic together? How have you managed that? What's the key? What's the, the success oh, mechanisms?
0: I don't I don't know. People always say to me, like, how yeah, how the hell do you work with your husband? Um, but it just works. We're very um, I guess we're we're very passionate about what we do. We're both driven with the same sort of, you know, health, fitness, strength, um, helping people live the best lives that they can. So we're both driven by the same thing, which helps, um, you know, (laughs) when we're not talking about business, we're talking about strength or training and stuff like like that. Um, but I guess we, we complement each other in that he's a very logical person. Um, and I'm the creative. So, you know, he kind of pulls me down when I float too high and I kind of tell him to think big when he's thinking too much in a box. Um, so we complement each other that way. Um, communication, like making sure that we, you know, we have synced calendars. So we're reducing fights. We have business meetings so that we're addressing the appointments and things that are going on within the business. Um, and I actually talk about this in the book as well. Um, not assuming that he knows how I'm feeling again, that comes back down to my self-awareness, um, and me not being triggered, I guess, by what he's saying, like, why is that being triggered in me? What needs, what do I kind of need to bring myself back to think about? Um, so yeah, again, communication, syncing calendars, um, having that shared, um, passion together. Um, I, I don't know. I just like being around him. He's <laughs> a good he's gonna... sort. He is.
1: He's a good and he's daughter. hot. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> Always helps <laughs> so talk to me a little bit then about I, I want to go back now to your um, <clears throat> your degree mm-hmm. now understanding that um, actually communication is one of the biggest parts of all relationships, yet relationships is where we can feel most alive and most broken. How has your degree helped you? Was it necessary? Is it important for you to have that psychology background? Or do you think we can all get this without having to go to university? And if so, what are the key points?
0: I don't think you need to go to university. Um, I think that it was a great learning opportunity for me. Like I did, I learned a lot. I um, met a lot of cool people there and it's developed me into the person that I am today. Um, But I think, um, you know, adopting some of the principles in living awake, like bringing that self-awareness to you and starting to question things and, you know, question, I guess, in relationships, um, you know, why do I, why do I feel this way? Like what, you know, I don't know, sometimes like Bruce will say something and I'll take it the wrong way, but then I need to have a look about why I took that the wrong way. Like what is, why is that triggering me kind of thing? So I think, being in the trenches, like doing the work day in and day out, building that self-awareness, increasing that communication, those communication skills, having empathy for the other person as well, I think definitely helps. You don't want to just assume that they're okay. Um, constantly checking in with each other. Um, but I guess, Bre- uh, Brené Brown says it a lot. Like there is no intimacy without vulnerability. Um, and I think that that's, I guess, yeah, a really key thing about our relationship as well. Like I'm, I'm, I've got to the point where I'm very vulnerable with, um, how I go about things and it's only made our relationship stronger. You know, I have never regretted oversharing. <laughs> um, and I think that's a big thing in relationships. And I think a lot of women can hide because they're worried about what their partner might think or what their partner might say or how their relationship might, um, you know, change course as a result of speaking up or speaking the truth, being courageous about how they think and how they feel. So, and it's definitely, um, not easy. Like I'll stew on things for a couple of months sometimes. (laughs) Um, but you know, again, it comes back to building that awareness, having that communication and just, um, yeah, continuing to show up in your marriage, um, having the vulnerability, practicing vulnerability to yeah, speak up about the things that are important to you
1: vulnerable, you have to be able to love who you are. You see it as a part of you, not a weakness in you. We learn that being open and constantly learning and expanding, being able to say sorry, being able to show up in the best way we can in each moment, it is all part of loving who we are. And if that's the case, which I'm hearing through all of your conversations, is then self-love is really important. Loving who we are, becoming aware of who we are. What is your definition of self-love?
0: Yeah, so... I believe self-love is that unconditional love for yourself. Like there's no conditions on how, how you should love yourself. Like I'll only love myself when I lose 10 kilos. I'll only love myself when I, you know, am more tanned, insert whatever. Like it's unconditional. Um, and I think self-love has a lot to do with being at home within yourself. If you don't feel at home within yourself, um, then you're not going to feel worthy Um speaking your truth, you know, you're going to feel like a fraud or you're going to feel like, um, you're not worth being heard, or you're going to feel like it might not matter. Um, things like that, you know? And so, but if you are at home within yourself and you know, your values, you know, your boundaries, you love yourself unconditionally, then being vulnerable. Yeah. is a lot easier because you back yourself, like you believe in yourself. Um, you're not doubting what you're saying. Um, and you're honoring your truth basically. So
1: Let's throw something at you. Ooh. <laughs> to have unconditional love, mm-hmm. that's conditional, is yeah. it not? If you think about it, to ask ourselves to have unconditional love, we're asking ourselves to put a condition of unconditional on our love. I, I'm, just, I'm only well, asking because you you're a psychologist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you put yeah, because I guess you're saying um, it has to be unconditional and that's a condition. <laughs>
1: That's right, and that's yeah. why I'm, I'm really curious whenever I hear the word Yeah, no, I didn't think about it like that. But I think you're more than that. I think you're saying more than unconditional love. That's why I'm challenging you on it yeah. because I think you're saying, I loved even more so being at home within yourself. Yeah, And what I've heard the thread of everything you've said, and certainly through the book, Living Away, is actually honoring that we have all different moments, different times, different ways, different energy levels, different <laughs> moments where we're at our best and not at our best. And so I totally agree with you that it's unconditional love, but it was just in that moment. No,
0: I like that. Wow,
1: that's putting a condition of unconditional.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, because you can definitely look at it from that one perspective. Like I have to be or do this in order to love myself. Um, But, yeah, if you're saying, yeah, love is love for yourself is unconditional, then yeah, you've just put a condition on it. So it's interesting, isn't it? (laughs) I just found that fascinating. Um,
1: But I I really do love it. And I do appreciate, I'm sure we can all hear what you're saying in that. And I really loved being at home within yourself. The other thing you mentioned was loving your values, knowing yourself. The only way we know what our values are is when we sit down, take the time to actually ask, what is it that's most important to us? What do I value most in my life? Are there any steps or daily things? I know you've said many things, because of the book and all that. Is there anything else that you would say to the self-love podcast listener? What are your non-negotiables on a daily basis or what are some things that you'd say is really important to honour that love of self?
0: For me, like what I do on a daily basis to honour that love? Oh, what do I do? Oh. I guess, yeah, building on those, those micro habits, things that I just do without even thinking sometimes is I have a bath every night. (laughs) Um, I once, um, didn't buy a house because it didn't have a bath and it didn't have space to put a bathtub (laughs) and I'm like, this is not going to work. Um, so yeah, non-negotiables for me is movement, whether it is in the gym or getting out and walking or yoga, even if it's, you know, two or three Yin yoga poses with my kids. Um, or it's running around the backyard. I've, I've just got to move my body every day. It's just a part of who I am. But I guess I, I have built on that over the, the years. Um, it's just something that I just do now and feel pulled to do. Um, nutrition. So I definitely eat my soul foods, but the large matro- majority of the time I'm in the kitchen and I'm cooking delicious meals for me and my family um, because I really do feel like nutrition is a form of self-care. So I'm nourishing my body. I'm moving my body. Um, I'm having baths, I'm using essential oils every day. I think that that's a really beautiful practice, as you would know, um, whether you're diffusing them or applying them as perfume or putting drops of lavender in the bath, I think that that's a really beautiful way to slow down and breathe as well. Um, and when you give yourself those moments of stillness, quietness, um, you know, with a two and a five-year-old, it's really hard to do, but, um, you know, just stopping, uh, journaling. I pretty much I have a journal beside my bed every night, even if it's one line, it's one line, but most of the time just emotions start to pour out onto the pages. Um, what else do I do? I'm, I'm big on hugging. I I am constantly hugging my family every day. That's probably my love language, love language. Although I haven't read that book yet, um, but I'm a big, I just want to be hugged and held. <laughs> so they're, they're the sorts of things that I do on a daily basis that um, yeah.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah, that would be physical touch is yes. um, that love language. I love it so much. How, your two children, age two and five, as you said, what would be your greatest wish for them to grow up? How, what would you want for them the most being a mum of two young children?
0: No one's ever asked me this question before. It's a biggie because there's so much that I want for them.
1: <laughs> Go on, share it.
0: Uh, I... I would, I would want them to grow up and I, you know, sometimes it can seem impossible because of, you know, those dreaded teenager years and the influence of society, but I would just love to see them grow up and just be so goddamn sure of themselves and so in love with themselves that they just back themselves with whatever they want to do in life. Like if they come to me and, and and whatever it is that they say to me that they want to do, like, that would just be amazing to, to see them live the life that they really want to live and back themselves while they do it. Because, you know, there's, I don't know, I've, I've, in my life, there's just times where I've just been so unsure of myself. And especially in those teenage years where I would do things, um, you know, to gain approval from social, you know, peers and stuff. And I look back and I'm like, you know, it's yeah. Doing those things like, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this. Like just looking back, some of the decisions that I've made because I didn't love myself, because I didn't back myself, because I wasn't sure of myself, I would love to just hand them that wisdom and experience and be like um, go for it, run with it kind of thing.
1: Well, I will say this to you now with two a 22 and a 24-year-old, that um, that's what I wanted for my kids, their independence, their ability to make decisions, to stand up and back themselves, to do what they want to do. And I can tell you I've created two very independent, um, self-assured ratbags who (laughs) are so inspiring because of that. And, yeah, it's got them into trouble sometimes, both of them. And it's also helped them to shine their light in their own way. And to their credit, they're both still finding themselves. But it is a delight to watch them step into their greatness, but also to challenge themselves and others um, by being there. I remember watching Taylor walk around the house one day and I mean, oh, sweetheart, do you think you should put a a few more clothes on? She has (laughs) why. What wouldn't you want to walk around with a body like this? <laughs> yes. And I thought, yeah, actually I'll no girl. <laughs> and then Jacob came out like walking the way he does, completely naked. I went, mate, really? And he goes, What? What? Isn't it amazing to witness this every morning? <laughs> like, and I thought. Well, I got what I asked for. I wanted to have yeah. kids who love themselves sick and love <laughs> themselves up, but also what I really admired about them. And I think you'll get the same thing. I think by you and your husband walking your talk, living your truth, living awake is actually the greatest gift of all. And one of the most beautiful messages I got told was the greatest gift you can give your children is the love and respect of their father. And the greatest gift a father can give their children is the love and respect of their mother. And I just want to congratulate you guys on living awake, on being the walking, talking example, doing your best, showing up in all ways, honoring your vulnerabilities, your mistakes, your your challenges, but also showing them how to be alive, how to yeah. live awake, how to be your best, not lecturing them on what they should be could be or would be doing and I think that's quite a distinction I get from your book and from the way you run your life and your business so I just want to say from my heart to yours huge kudos and congratulations thank
0: you thank you so Um, much
1: you're amazing and you know you did get a very special soul to write the foreword of your book I
0: did tell us a little bit about that Well, I went to the night quarter to watch Sarah Wilson speak and, um, I'd been following Cindy for a while, but I heard her speak that night and I actually hearing her speak, I was so moved by it that I actually deleted seven chapters of my book. I said to, um, uh, my publisher ocean, I'm like, I'm sorry, but it's going to take a little bit longer. I've decided to delete seven chapters. I'm changing the last stage from thrive to impact because people need to hear about this. Um, and then, yeah, I just reached out to her after that. And I told her what I did because of her passion. And, um, yeah, we just connected from there and she spoke at the launch party that I had a couple of weeks ago. Um, so yeah, it's just crazy how it all kind of happened.
1: (laughs) Well, once again, I want to congratulate you. You took action on something that felt really important to you. The worst thing that could have happened is she'd say no, or you couldn't connect with her and something else would have come about. But I think too, what you've really said today is about um, never stop learning, never stop being curious, never stop wanting to awaken and expand our hearts, minds, and souls, and then really gift to ourselves nutritionally, like I love that analogy because it's not just feeding ourselves, but it's being it's feeding our hearts, minds, bodies and souls with nutritious content and information. And then I love the whole word impact because every single one of us impacts each other in every single moment. This yep. podcast could have an impact on people we don't even know. Yep. This Your message today could impact someone in such a way that they change the course of their life. I never take for granted the guests I have on the show. I never take for granted the messages each person speaks. And I certainly never take for granted people like you crossing my path. So to finish today, my lovely, first of all, number one, how can people get a copy of your book and where can we follow you? And then finish with your favourite quote.
0: All right. So you can get your hands on Living Awake from my website, www.chloekingsford.com. I think it's not .au. <laughs> I don't have to double check that. Have I got my... Um, I am on Instagram. Uh, it's .com.au. Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook mostly. I've got a Twitter account and LinkedIn, but I don't use them. Um, But yeah, Instagram, Facebook is where you'll find me the most.
1: And what is that, Chloe Kingsford?
0: Yes. Chloe Kingsford yes. official on Facebook. Um, and just Chloe Kingsford on Instagram.
1: Very cool. And we can order books through both of those avenues by linking through to message you or go through to yep. your website, ChloeKingsford.com.au. Yep. All right. You saw look, thank <laughs> you. Your final message and quote for the self-love podcast listener.
0: So I thought that I should probably quote this because I've got it tattooed down my ribcage. <laughs> um, but the risk to remain tight in a bud is more painful than the risk to blossom.
1: I want you to say it again slowly. Let me hear a reword.
0: The risk to, this is a condensed version, but the risk to remain tight in a bud is more painful than the risk to blossom.
1: So beautiful. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for being a part of the show and for sharing your wisdom. And also to anyone who's on the Sunshine Coast, give us the website and name for your gym.
0: Yeah. So it's City www.strengthcity.com.au um we're like in little mountain and um yeah come come hit us up if you want to give it a go it's
1: worth traveling to i can assure you beautiful chloe thank you so much give my love to your gorgeous husband and those children thank you and also to beautiful ocean reeve and the publishers of your book amazing i'm so glad that you have got this now Uh, in a form where every single one of us can now learn from you as well thank you from the bottom of my heart darling thank you so much kim thanks for listening to the self-love podcast be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit kim and her team at 28.com that's the word 20 and the number 8.com take good care